This morning, it's been our pleasure to welcome into membership Deep River Friends, Clarissa and William and Sophia. And it's a special tradition here at Deep River. And by the way, you're the only meeting I've ever pastored. I've pastored three. You're the only one I've ever pastored that does this wonderful tradition where everybody walks by and shakes hands. And the first time we did that 14 years ago when I was here, I thought, this is really strange. And I've never done it this way before. But I have come to really love it. And it's not because it may shorten things. I've come to really love it and really value it as just a wonderful expression of building community and recognizing a person's first step. Um, So when we do this, I always give thought to what the meaning of membership might be for folks who are being welcomed in. And this isn't just a membership sermon, so I hope those of you who are not members don't necessarily tune out. I I want to talk just a few minutes about what does it mean to be part of a faith community, but what does it mean when we do this membership thing? You know, many groups, membership is on decline, not just in churches, but in organizations, service clubs, uh, historical associations, even home associations. I was in Rotary years ago, and I've not been for quite a few years, but I know the one that I used to be in, the attendance has gone down rather dramatically, and a lot of these places are having trouble just even surviving. So years ago, membership held deep value for folks, but anymore it seems to be sort of not the thing, or being a member of an organization can seem rather flippant for folks. When we do this, I recognize that it's not flippant, it's a decision of the heart. It's a step of courage to commit oneself to this journey to this whole faith community. It's as if those who come to the front of our meeting, they're simply saying this, I'm going public with my desire to seek God, and I want to do it in the company of this group of friends. And I want to join you in the search, and I want to do it with you. Now, I don't know if that was going through Clarissa's mind or not, but that's how I see it. The Quaker Thomas Gates puts it this way, At its best, a Quaker meeting is not just a collection of individual seekers, but a community of faith, a covenant community, knit together by our common seeking of God. We're like spokes on a wheel. As we draw closer to our center in God, we also draw closer to each other. I love that image. As we draw closer to God, we draw closer to one another. Now, last week, and I led this retreat for about 45 folks from Western Yearly Meeting. It was a great experience, and we looked at this simple topic. I had a moment of crisis, though. You know, when you've got 45 people in front of you, and you're talking about something, and all of a sudden you realize, you know what? I'm talking about this with these folks for the next eight hours. I'm not even sure I've ever talked about this with my own meeting. And I explained to them what an expert is. I said, you know what an expert is? And they said, no, what? I said, an expert is anybody who lives 50 miles away or farther. So that qualified me to be an expert in that moment. But I could say in that moment I had kind of a a moment of conviction. So what does it look like to move from membership to discipleship? Or what is that journey like? And how can membership be more than just having your name on a card And what does it mean to be part of a faith community? Even if you're not an official member, what does it mean to be part of one? When we talked about it there at this retreat, I remember we talked about how we looked at this idea of spiritual growth and the phrase that we coined, and I shared it this morning, membership is a journey. It's not a destination. In my years of pastoring, one of the tendencies I've seen is that of viewing membership as a destination. People join Organizations for many reasons, often for the benefits, 
These benefits may be tangible, they may be intangible, but the reasons for joining are to be eligible for benefits. Now, some people join out of affinity with that group. In other words, many folks join because they've been Quaker all their life. They want to continue to identify with Quakers, so they join a Quaker meeting. They have that affinity with their values. Others may join simply because they feel accepted and welcome, and they want to be in a place which they know they can belong. Now, there certainly isn't anything wrong with this. In fact, I'm going to reference this gentleman again, uh, Thomas Gates, in his pamphlet, members one of another. He writes that as folks identify with a meeting, a friend's meeting, they do it in stages. First, they see the meeting as a place of acceptance. I can't tell you how many people will say to me when I meet them for the first time and they come into Deep River Friends, they say what? This is just a welcoming, accepting place. And that's great. I'm sure we have our moments where it may not seem like that to some. We're human. But overall, I really see that. Um, One of our best ambassadors are not as present with us as they used to be. Some of you who have been here in the last 14 years know John and Jenny Thornton. They were some of the first ones to get to new people and visitors when they came to those doors. Well, then Thomas Gates says, people then move on to seeing the meeting as a place of shared values. In short, they identify with the testimonies. Simplicity, peace, integrity, community, equality. And again, I meet a lot of people who show up here because they identify with those values. They'll say things like, well, you're, you're the guys that do the peace thing, aren't you? Yeah, we're the, we're the ones that do the peace thing. Or they'll say, I really like that silent stuff. Um, you do. We've, I've tried it, and, and that's one of the reasons that we like being here. And that's great. That's kind of part of our brand, if you will. Well, then Gates says they move on to a next stage, seeing the meeting as a place of transformation. In other words, the person begins to sense a spiritual transformation taking place and the meeting does what it can to nurture that spiritual transformation. Now, here's the thing. I think this is key because I find that it's very easy for a friend's meeting to simply stop at the stage of the meeting as a place of acceptance or the meeting as a place of shared values. In fact, Thomas Gates again, here's what he writes. Quote him for about one more time. Quote, There is a constant danger that if we focus on the testimonies but forget where the testimonies come from, then our meeting may come to resemble an ethical society or even a political lobbying group instead of a faith community. In other words, he's saying we have to go deeper. We have to go deeper and realize that where this comes from is a living reality that exists within us and right here, and it's what we read in Colossians, where we live into that divine root, if you will, the living Christ, who transforms us personally and as a faith community. See, for early friends, the testimonies weren't abstract values or beliefs. They were specific, concrete actions that testified to the truth of the transforming power of God in their life. And their concrete actions and testimonies they lived out were the fruit evident in their lives. In fact, I have some Quaker friends that often often like to talk about the roots and the fruits. You can't have the fruits without the root. The root is the presence of God. The root is the living Christ. The root is us in relationship with God. And then the fruits are our testimonies. We talk about them, simplicity, peace, integrity, community, equality, or any other fruits that we live out. But that's how it works from the ground up. Instead of trying to somehow maybe manufacture the fruits and try to figure out how to get God to bless it. 
It starts from that deep center that we call the living Christ. It's interesting to note that in the first 90 years of Quakers, there was no formal membership process and no recorded list of members. One became a member by simply being convinced of the truth, capital T, through an experience of the transforming power of God. And this, in turn, led to a transformed life, which showed in the public keeping of the testimonies. As one person wrote, and I love this, there was no official list of members. Everyone in the local community knew who was a member and who was not. And how did they know? It's by their actions by the way they lived out their life. This was because those in the community knew the folks that lived a different kind of life, a radical kind of life, a transformed life. It was those folks that sought to live a simple life, those that sought to live at peace with everyone, those that lived lives of deep honesty and trustworthiness. You've heard this before, maybe some of this wonderful Quaker history, but you know that Quakers were the ones that basically ended the barter system more or less. They came up with uh, a system, the end of that, the, uh, the, the, the one price system, I should say, because Quaker families knew if they sent their kid to the store that the shopkeeper wasn't going to negotiate a price with a kid. It was the same price for everybody. So early Quakers were the ones that really came up with that out of their integrity and their honesty. The folks that were committed to one another in their faith community, those folks that treated everyone fairly and with equality because they viewed everyone as created in the image of God. People could see this. And they didn't have to have their name on a card, even though we do now. They didn't have to apply formally, even though we do now. These people said, that must be a member of that Quaker community because look how they live. Look at the fruit in their life. I don't know why I think about this, but often when I'm driving, I see that bumper sticker that says, how's my driving? Call such a number. I often think, what if my life had a bumper sticker? How's my living? Call Linda. (laughs) (laughs) Call Deep River Friends. But seriously, what if I had something on my back that said, how's my living? Call such and such a number. So here's the question or questions. In our meetings, we need to move beyond this simple question of are you a member to the more important question, how are you and I maturing into the fullness of membership in this spiritual community? And is our meeting a community which nurtures the spiritual growth and transformation of its members? Let me put it more starkly. We're not a service club. We're not a social club. We're a spiritual community grounded in the reality of the divine presence seeking to be rooted in that, bringing forth fruit that seeks to transform and help everything around us flourish. And we mature into this fullness of membership and engage in a journey of spiritual transformation when we begin to see the meeting, as Tom Gates says, as a place of obedience, this willingness to surrender, to open ourselves to the presence of God. And we don't know where this surrendering and openness will take us in terms of actions. But what we do know, it will take us deeper into God, deeper into trust and joy. It will take us deeper into a life well lived. And here's my experience. My experience is that obedience and openness to God often doesn't lead to abstract notions, but to concrete action. In fact, I really wish it would be abstract notions but it's often concrete actions and messages. This concrete action may be extending love towards someone I find hard to love or I find annoying or I just find irritable. 
maybe even extending forgiveness. This concrete action may be taking steps to be more present towards the ones I do love, my family and my friends, and honoring the time we have together. The concrete action may be actively involving ourselves in justice issues or advocating for those that are vulnerable, marginalized, and oppressed. My concrete action may have to do with how we love our spouses or how present we are with our children or how we spend our money. It may have to do with taking the necessary steps to address in our life the way we're sabotaging our lives and our effectiveness. And maybe the concrete action is simply giving of our time to someone who needs a loving presence or a word of encouragement or an encouraging presence. One of the favorite images I have in Scripture is Abraham, who leaves everything that is familiar to him and steps into the unknown. And there's this passage in, in, in the book of Hebrews which says, Abraham obeyed God even though he had no idea where he was going. I'm not making that up. That's exactly what it says. Abraham obeyed God even though he had no idea where he was going. Sometimes we step into the openness of God and we surrender our lives even though we have no idea where we're going. We just know we're going in the right direction. Now, isn't that a paradox? I have no idea where I'm going. I just know I'm going in the right direction. We feel it. But what I know is this. Sometimes it moves us out of what is familiar into what is unfamiliar. Sometimes it moves us out of what is comfortable into the uncomfortable. Sometimes it moves us into a place where all we have is faith and trust. And I've come to know that experience that living Christ is our divine teacher, our guide, our savior, our friend, who speaks to us in concrete ways, not in ethereal and philosophical ways. Now, I'll close with this. We may not even know the full picture, but I love this phrase by the Quaker Carolyn Fox years ago. She wrote this, Live up to the light that thou hast, and more will be granted thee. All we have to do is live up to what we already know. Sometimes all we have to do is step into what we now see. I don't have to see the whole picture. I don't have to see the full plan. Just live into this very moment. Live up to the light that thou hast, and more will be granted. And as we live up to the light that we've been given, we then take whatever steps we need to take, and more is granted. And then we find ourselves on that way to spiritual transformation. And so that's my hope. My hope and prayer for me is that we always be that spiritual community that is inviting people into a journey of spiritual transformation that lives into obedience and faithfulness to God as we receive our leadings and we support each other in those leadings and we support each other in that faithfulness and we support each other in that journey as we have always done and will continue to do as we live up to the light that God has given us.